I remember the day I started my new job after leaving MS Communications, so a kind of traditional broadcast company. I was there for eight years and I walked into, or actually I was thrusted into the world of a startup and a digital startup. I sat down with Russell Simmons, who was then my, my boss, and he started the conversation with, I'm so glad you're here. I work for you now. What are we doing? Where do you want to begin? And that was such an empowering feeling at that moment to basically walk into this mogul's office who I thought I would be now taking orders from. And he basically flipped it on me and said, no, like I hired you because you, for you to do your thing. So tell me what you need me to do to kind of help you do it. And that was the start of an amazing relationship between he and I. I'm Trisha Clarkstone, CEO and co-founder of Narrative. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. I love that you picked this one. So what do you think others believe your superpower is? And then, not conversely, what do you think your superpower is? What I think others think my superpower is is that I'm a rainmaker and, you know, meaning I can close deals, make things happen and really drive success and progress of things. Because a rainmaker isn't necessarily just about money. Right. And I think a lot of people think that, that it's just about, oh, you know, you're selling, you're locking in deals. But to me, it's about progressing and moving things forward and really driving the success of something. Right. And then I think what my superpower is, ironically, is that as well. Okay, I'm, so they, they sync up. They, they definitely sync up. And I think a big part, too, is I'm able to do it in uncharted territories, which to me is kind of one of the hardest things. Because if you're in the same situation over and over again, practice makes perfect, right? And mm-hmm. when you go into a known situation, you know how to deal with it because there's a blueprint or roadmap. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been able to do make you know make things happen within uncharted territory and under conditions that I wasn't uh, very familiar with that's a key thing Mm -hmm. because you build that foundation of business and work and then you get thrown into a new situation but you lean back on those things that that you're like okay now I remember this and that and that helps immensely yeah because you pick things up and you get things from those lessons learned and then figure out how you can apply it and and expand on it What's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that surprised you? I think me owning my own business and becoming an entrepreneur, its I've gotten to know myself so much better than I would have ever if I stayed in a regular kind of corporate job. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is when I do things, I do things to win. So there's nothing, no <laughs> if, ands, buts about it. There's uh-huh. nothing in between for me. So I never thought failure was a, was a hard thing for me to conceive of. And now me owning my own business and being an entrepreneur, I embrace failure to, mm-hmm. to an extent. And I think a lot of it is because I work so much within the field of innovation and technology. So we have to fail to know what works and what doesn't and have to push things. And oftentimes when you're pushing things, 
things are going to break, you know, things are going to get distorted. So I fail every day, you know, in in certain instances, depending on projects that we work on. But the key for me is that I'm okay with it because I know I get to wake up the next day and start all over again and try Mm -hmm. to figure it out. So to me, it's about recovery Mm -hmm. and knowing how to then apply the losses and to how you make that strength and kind of the DNA and and, and the tenacity and then come back and, and do it all over again. I think out of the 30-some shows that we've done, you're the first person that has picked this question. If you weren't doing this as a career, what would you be doing and why? If I wasn't doing this as a career, I would be a coder. And um, I think it's because I love pushing things and being a first and doing things that haven't been done before. And to Mm -hmm. me, technology is an amazing mechanism to be able to do that. And it adds a level of immersiveness. It adds scale to things. And it allows you to do things that have never been done before, essentially. So... Right now, I rely heavily on my developers and coders, so I come Are up. Are you with like an amateur coder? Do you go in? Kind of, do you, do you like go I in? Pl- and and they're now. like, they're like, oh come on, yeah, they're like, we got they're this. Like, we got they're this. pushing me aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 to, and I happily, you know, slide, slide to the to the left. But I think for me, it's it's about not waiting for someone to tell me what I can and can't do, mm-hmm. and having a, a deep enough understanding of it. Because if you understand it, you know how far you can push it. Mm-hmm. So right now. Now I have a good understanding of it. Different languages, platforms, right. technology stacks. But if I just knew a little bit more, I figure, imagine what I would be able to do. If it wasn't in technology, what would you do? If I wasn't in like technology. Or startup world or entrepreneurialism, what would, what would you do? VC. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to be able to identify talent, emerging trends. My gut says you're probably pretty good at that. Yeah, I'd love to do that and then be able to empower them mm-hmm. with the money to help them realize their dreams and then counsel and advise along the way. If, if you saw, like, if you were a VC and you, like, what sort of talent would you, like, if you saw, like, this person's doing this, it's like, what would, a pro- what would be a project that you would, like, gravitate to immediately? Um, so in terms of, like, a character profile, it would be someone that, the standards, right? Work hard, passion. Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, though. But I think it's someone that knows how to identify the white space mm-hmm. and understands that where to plant the flag Mm -hmm. to say this is what I'm doing so it has to be someone that has vision and that says okay here are the superpowers that I'm going to activate in order to make make it so that I'm a formidable player in this field so I think so much of it is about the founder and Mm -hmm. kind of what you see in them and their vision and then of course what the product or service is that obviously has to be assessed too let's go to the must list what is a must do a must do for me is traveling. I'm a big believer in experiencing things. I think mm-hmm. especially today with technology and with we're all obsessed and inundated with data mm-hmm. and it's super important. But I think now that kind of levels the playing field. You have access to the same data that I have access to, but what we do with it is kind of what really matters. So that gets down to taste level knowing what's cool, knowing kind of what has been done and what hasn't been done. And I think you only get that when you experience things. So traveling and being exposed to other cultures, different ways of doing things. Right. And with your experience, too, with Russell Simmons, I mean, cultural goodness to the nth. To me, it's so much of what we do at Narrative is about cultural intelligence Mm -hmm. and technology. And cultural intelligence is just that, knowing what's cool, and being at a point where you not only know what's cool, but you can shape 
and define what's next, or you have your finger on the pulse of knowing what's cool and interesting before anyone else does. Mm-hmm. What did you learn your first year with Russell as it relates to like just to culture? And, yes. And, yeah. Well, obviously, I had followed Russell's career. Sure. What What really intrigued me about him was, and it was funny because I only came up with this soundbite when I started working for him, and people said, you know, so. So what is it like to work for him? And one day I thought about it and I was like, he's a man of firsts. And -hmm. it's amazing to be around that because he started the first hip hop label. Mm -hmm. And the first hip hop label that is a, it's a business, right? The music industry. It's called the music business. Exactly. It's a business. So he though turned Def Jam into a lifestyle. So that's what really started intriguing me. He could look at a trend turn it into a business and then it it became infectious and Mm -hmm. a part of kind of the popular culture or or the mainstream. He did the same thing when he launched Fat Farm, Mm -hmm. you know, the first urban, urban brand. So for me, it was so refreshing to see such a humble man Mm -hmm. of first. And one thing that really stood out was that anytime we had meetings or we would be traveling or en route somewhere, especially in New York, if we were traveling, he had a Bentley. So everyone kind of knew Russell's Bentley. Mm -hmm. And if we got to a a meeting early, crowds would kind of form around the car because they knew he Mm -hmm. was in it. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting out of the car. We were in Brooklyn. We were going to a meeting and all these people started coming up to him and almost pitching him. Think about Shark Tank, but on the sidewalk. You know, so oh, like, that's real. Yeah. So yeah. like people are pitching him and throwing things at him. And he was able to kind of call and figure out. And there were I remember from that day, there were two people that sounded interesting. And he was like, you know what, Trish, this is Trish. You guys are going to connect. Give us your information and we'll see if we can set up a meeting. And that day I was like, if Russell can meet with people off of the street and be open, I have to give anyone a chance or an opportunity right. um, so it was it was really eye-opening to see and at the when we were driving back to the city I said so do you always do this and he was like a good idea can come from anywhere yeah. and and then it clicked to me and it, it brought me back to he started his career as a promoter yeah right yeah so it was his job to find talent yeah and to boost them up and to give them all the tools and he's continued that that's a through line to his his, his career that's cool i like that connection yeah. because that's the truth yeah what's a must experience a must experience is unconditional love i think when you have that you feel like you have kind of helps <laughs> yeah it, it, right you it's, it's like you 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 have that the power to kind of give it your all and you know you have that support system and i think for me because i have a twin sister, I've experienced unconditional love at a heightened level. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine not having that support system in her. How do you reconcile unconditional love in a business that is so rife with conditions? Right. Who would have thought I chose a career where you're only as good as your last thing mm-hmm. and you have to keep outdoing yourself. Right. So to me, this isn't the dating game. There's no love <laughs> lost here. It's it's either that you can get divorced as quickly as you can get married, I feel like, in, mm-hmm. in, um, in our industry. Yeah. What is a must read? A must read is a recent book. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. I like where we're going. Yeah, it's a recent book that, you know, I've read The Lean Startup and, uh, you know, all. And they're they're the classics. Yeah, they're the classics. I love it. I love it because, uh, you know, him taking his product development Mm -hmm. and iterative and and prototyping process. I applied a lot of that actually to to what we do in narrative. But um, The Desire Map. It's a new book that I just read. It also has a workbook. Oh, cool. And the premise is based on when you're coming up, you usually list your goals 
right? And what you want to achieve. So she says you shouldn't do it that way. You should basically outline how you want to feel. And that should really be your compass and provide a roadmap to what career you want to do or what hobbies you want to take up. So Mm -hmm. it all has to start with how you want to feel. Because think, I never said, I want to be the CEO of of my own company one day. I said, you know, I want to provide impact and really drive change and redefine the status quo. Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to do that, I need to be in a position of power and where I have an amazing team around me to help um, push that vision forward. So I really took a lot of the stuff out of that book to heart because if you think about it, that's human human nature, yeah. right? We all We're feeling beings. Exactly. Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget that. Exactly. What's a must learn? A must learn is never give up. And to me, it's, it doesn't matter how hard, uh, you know, the road, the road is. I guess I'm a, I'm I'm an extreme optimist. So and I believe in manifesting. So to me, I could have the worst day on a Monday. I mean where everything goes wrong just mm-hmm. when I feel like one fire is out, I have a blazing fire on the other on the other side and I go home, decompress, I wake up the next day and I'm like, let's do it all over again. So mm-hmm. to me, give up isn't an option. It's mm-hmm. how you're going to do it the next day and, and how you're going to make it make it happen. So I've always told people, you know, work is always going to be there, but life moves pretty damn fast and yeah. it moves by fast. It's so, so true. And you just have to, and it's not about compartmentalizing because I think people get that confused a little bit, I right? do that though. You, oh, so you got, you got the, uh, yeah. you, I mean, you have to, but have sometimes to. it bleeds in. I get it. it I get it's, it. Sometimes it bleeds in, but that's the only way I could survive Yeah. by kind of putting things in those compartments and shutting off. Otherwise it's just too overwhelming. Yeah. No, I got you. What's a question you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you, and what would the answer be? A question that I've never been asked is, when is it enough? Like, when is enough enough? That is an awesome question. And the reason why I say that I would want to be asked that is because it will force me to think about what when is enough enough. What do you think the answer is at this moment? Because I'm going to see you, what, some months down the road yeah. and then you're going to say, you know what, when we talked at South by, yeah. I had this answer, but this is actually what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And you just hit it feeling. Yeah. I'll know it when I feel it. Okay. So that to me is because challenge after challenge, achievement after achievement, you think, okay, I got it. I did what I set out and now I'm at the height of, you know, where, wherever you want to be. But then you keep, I just think I have a thirst and a hunger mm-hmm. for more. So I'll know it when I feel it in my heart. What are you feeling now here at South by Southwest? I'm feeling in general. I think we're all a little tired, <laughs> but we did karaoke yeah. last night. Yeah, so I'm, I, I'm, my voice is a little rough. Yeah, tonight. I'm going on four hours of sleep. Okay, um, if this is you on four hours of sleep, bottle it up, please. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, next year I'll be here kind of w- with a stand outside selling it. <laughs> but what I'm feeling, I think that's why at South by there's a level of energy because you see so much the intersection of film and digital technology interactive and then music all coming together to kind of make magic. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they would like for a minute or two. Whatever's on their mind. So without further ado, the floor is yours. It's interesting being here at South By and and going to some of these talks. It's refreshing to see that 
a lot of the barriers and walls are being broken down in terms of people don't need to necessarily fit in these pretty nice boxes anymore. And I think for so many years, even when I started Narrative, everyone kept saying, you can't launch a brand agency and an innovation lab. You can't do both of those things. Like you have to pick one or the other. Are you a digital agency or are you a brand agency? And my response to them was always, why? Why can't I do that? And also, the name of the agency is narrative. A narrative can't be relegated to a channel, a platform, or a medium. So I need to be able to tell stories and bring them to life with all the tools possible. So it's, it's nice now to see kind of I went to a redefining storytelling type of a talk yesterday. And it's just nice to see people echoing the sentiment that I had four years ago. We wrap up every show with one piece of advice or wisdom. What is your final word? My final word and wise words, um, it's all about, to me, it's about white space. And how do you identify where there's an opportunity for you? And then how do you then activate your superpowers to make sure that, that you kill it and you become the it thing within that white space? I love the fact that our paths diverged. All roads led to and from Ebro, from Hot 97. How amazing is that? Yes, mm-hmm. and I, it was a real treat. I, you know, it's, I've known of you for a long time, but I'm so glad that our paths finally crossed. And thank you for joining us on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me.